Welcome to Christian International's Teaching of the Week, a podcast where we dive into the best handpicked lessons from Christian International's vast library of sermons, lessons, and conferences. We were connected to uh, CI back in 1986, and we received a word, a prophetic word, that I didn't know much about at that particular time. But the doctors had given my wife a season to live, and one little lady in our church said, have you tried the prophets? And I said, no, where are they? And she said, I think they're in Florida. So I bought two airline tickets for the lady and Sandy, and she's going to give her her testimony today. Thank you. Yes, it, it's been about 30 years, and I had been diagnosed with an incurable blood disease, and the doctors had told me I only had a few months to live. And it was at that time that I found my way here to Christian International. Thank you, Jesus. It was 30, it, and I'm still here. Thank you, Jesus, for that. I made it through that challenge. I, the very first night I heard Bishop speak, I was in awe. I'd never seen anyone do karate kicks and prophesy at the same time. I'm a little Texas gal. I've lived a very sheltered life, Southern Baptist. The prophetic was a huge leap, but the karate kicks and all that, Bishop, it was, was amazing. But the very next day was my first experience for prophetic ministry with teams. And they took us to, uh, at that time we were at meeting at a hotel, and they took us to one of the hotel rooms. There were about 10 or 12 people in my room. And I had Leon Walters, who ministered to me, and prophetess, at that time prophetess, now apostle Mary Crumb. I just love you, Mary Crumb. And she looked at me, and she just got right in my face, and she pointed her finger at me, and she said, Devil, in the name of Jesus, you come out of her right now. with that precious Georgia accent, and he did. He did. And then she and Leon both prophesied. They did not know that I was ill. In the natural, I didn't look ill, but I was dying literally from the inside out. And they both prophesied to me that I would live and not die. Yes, and I, for the, that was the very first time I had ever heard those words because I was convinced that I was supposed to die, but I did not want to die. I, I felt like there was something inside of me. Of course, it had not been fulfilled. I, I had a destiny. And one of the things about Christian International, that anointing, it does bring you to the place of recognizing and fulfilling uh, your destiny. And I took that word home, and I, uh, Mickey and I, we walked the floors of our home for an entire year, waiting for the healing to completely manifest. We took that cassette tape, and I played it over and over and over. And we would get up at night when I would get sick in the middle of the night, 
and literally felt like I wasn't going to make it to the next day. And we played that tape, and we would stop it, and we would say, Hear that devil, Mary Crumb and Leon Walters prophesied that I would live and not die. And I'm still here, I believe, because of the prophetic word over my life. And then later, as I began to travel and do the things that were prophesied over me, one of them was to travel the world and prophesy. I'd never prophesied my whole life. And I went on a trip to Australia and New Zealand with Bishop Hammond. And we had a team. Sherilyn was there. Uh, Marilyn King was there with us. And Jane Hammond. And we all went and we were a team over there. And I realized that there was another anointing upon this ministry. There is a Jeremiah anointing to plant, right? To plant destiny inside of us and see that fulfilled. And to build, to build us up and edify us with that prophetic word. But there's another part of that anointing, and that is to uproot and to tear down. Jane, where are you? There you are. You remember... It was in Australia. I had, I could not get home. I was locked up in this, it was a, was it a hotel? I was locked up in a hotel with Jane Hammond and I was having a difficult time and she chose that time to uproot some really deep things in me. What can you do when Jane Hammond gets a hold of you? You can, I couldn't get away. I couldn't fly home. I couldn't swim across the ocean. I was all the way in Australia. But it changed my life. And you in my life has changed my life. And the CI family has changed my life. And I want to thank you for having the privilege of being able to give my testimony about a vision that a man, Bishop Bill Hammond, once had to raise up a company of prophets and to have Christian International and to give all of us an opportunity to experience life to the fullest and fulfill our God-given destiny. Thank you, Bishop. We love you. Well, I did get a word at that time um, that I would write books, and I had never written anything other than a college essay. And today I have 15 books that I have written. Some of them, I think they're in like seven different languages all around the world, and I've received that, I also believe, from my papa for that impartation. So if you want to write books, hey, there's an impartation for that too. But beware of the uprooting part. <laughs> Thank you so much. Amen. Let's give them one more hand. Amen. We so appreciate this couple and all they've meant to the ministry. At this time, we're going to have a panel on uh, building ministry teams. And I'd like to invite our panel up, uh, Apostle John Burkholder, one of the senior leaders of the church in our church in Buffalo, Apostle Enos Chamberlain, Columbia, Missouri, Dr. Melody Hilton, someplace outside of Harrisburg. I was just there, Elizabethtown, 
Dr. Melody Hilton, amazing, amazing woman of God, and Dr. Mary Crom, amen, who helped us pioneer in building ministry teams. Let's give this whole panel a hand as they come, and uh, Dr. Tim is going to moderate this panel. So this is our 50th anniversary at IGAP, I mean at uh, CI, and this is our 31st international gathering, so we're going to try something a little new and have panels uh, for some of the morning sessions talking about, you may have picked this up already, but the seven anointings of CI that we talk about is the theme, right? So we have uh, the family anointing last night, and we're going to have uh, Apostle Leon going to talk about reproducing, and this panel is going to talk about building teams. We felt it would be appropriate for a team panel to talk about building teams, amen? And so each one of them are going to present for a few minutes, and then we'll, whatever time's left, we'll have some discussion if we have any time left. So I'm going to leave it up to them. You've heard their names to say whatever they want to say about themselves and uh, make their presentations. And so we'll start with ladies first. Good morning. I'm really, really thankful for CI and Bishop Hammond and Apostles Tom and Jane, and I could just go down the list, but it would take so long to do it. And it takes me a little longer to do things than it used to. I'm 80, and uh, the devil's still come out, but, you know, just a little bit longer. But I really want to, before we start with the teams, just say that this year we celebrated 30 years in ministry. We had a lot of people all over the world that wrote us and said and sent tapes and just to appreciate the prophetic activation and the teams and how God has changed. And every time I thought about two people, and first one was the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Never thought that that would happen. And the second one is you, Bishop. And you have been a good papa, good friend, and uh, what you see is what you get. For 30 years, 30 years, what you see is what you get. There's no hidden agenda. Sometimes we wish he would hide it a little bit more. But, uh, but, but he, I see that Robert got that anointing last night, too. Say it. Say it. But anyway, teams. Uh, ministry is, and, and CI, a lot of it involves teams. Because when you have a... A mandate to raise up teams, then that's what you need to do. How many of you are part of a team? How many of you want to be part of a team? Can I can't see over this. I just stand. I'll just stand up. I can stand up. I'm fine. I'm fine. How many of you are part of a team? <laughs> and how many of you want to be part of a team? How many of you raise up teams now? And how many of you want to raise teams up? Okay. If you're not part of a team, then you're probably not breathing of some description. Does this look better with it or without it? What do y'all think? Thank you. All right. So God loves teams because he is one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, everything he does, he does as a team. And there's a leader of the team, although they're equal, they're one. So there's a lot of principles of team just right there. 
But one of the things that we know is that if you want a team, we're talking about synergy this morning. So synergy makes it easier to do with two what would be very difficult or even impossible with one. And so any time that you have a team, you want to begin to build them. Do you know how long it would take to activate you if you didn't prophesy at all? Make a guess. Hurry up because we're in a real hurry here. How, how long would you guess it would take to activate you? Pardon? Right away. Right away. It's easy to activate you. That's not difficult. That is the fun part. But that doesn't make a team. And that means one person is activated. And if they don't have an opportunity to work within a team, they don't progress as quickly or as well as somebody who does, in my opinion. And uh, so there are several essentials, and since I am not a good, my timing in the Lord is perfect because I have no idea what that is. I do not do time well. One day with the Lord is is a thousand years, and that's how I live, yeah. So, but after about five years of prodding and prophesying and all of that, Bishop Hammond said, you know, he kept prophesying you'll do a team's manual, which, which eventually I did. I was embarrassed not to. And so the, uh, there are 10 principles or 10 essentials in, ten, in teams. And I know that all these other capable people are going to cover a lot of territory. And the thing about going first, you, you get to say whatever you want to. But if you go last, then you wish you had said what all the others had said. Yeah. <laughs> So the first thing in building a team is in building synergy. If you want synergy, you're going to have to put in energy. And it takes time to do that. So where is the time saver? Oh, listen, it's just exponential. It just, the value in having a team means that you can do more, do it quicker, do it more broad spread. And if you're real good and reproduce it, then you don't even have to be there. And it just keeps on going and keeps on going and keeps on going. And that reproducing reproducers, every time you start building a team, you need to have reproduction in mind every time. And so these are the 10 essentials. I'm not going to take time to discuss them, but they're, they probably will, will mention within their, whatever they say, will probably fall somewhere in some of these. First of all, you have to have instruction. We instruct in the word and we instruct in what to do. And within that instruction, that's different than training, but you have instruction. And then the part of it that's training you have to begin to think what would what would extend their faith? What would have them begin to think beyond where it is that they are now? Now, I want to tell you that if you're not into prophetic teams, that's okay. My daughter, Catherine, that will be, I think, tomorrow afternoon, the same principles apply. She activates people into miracles the same way we activate them into the prophetic. But So these essentials go beyond just one phase of ministry. Uh, so there needs to be instruction. The second thing is there needs to be demonstration. If you can't demonstrate it, you probably are not going to get as much results. Uh, then there's activation. 
you have to be able to activate them. That means give them a practical way to do it. And that's where that let the challenge for you leaders, let the challenge be there to let God look at the purpose of what you're doing and see how you can. He'll just tell you if you ask him. Just see what, what else it takes to cause them to extend their faith broader. Uh, be specific with them as you're activating. The activation is kind of like the practical piece of it. That's where you get proficient, if there is such a thing. The next thing is impartation, which we believe in. And it's, you can catch it. You can see it, and there's a lot to be done like that, but there's also laying on of hands. So if you have teams, you need to have definite times when you impart by the laying on of hands, you impart by demonstration, you impart by visualization, you impart by association. There's all kind of vocalization. So there's an impartation going on all the time if they're following you. But there needs to be also that conscious impartation that you have. Then there is the uh, implementation. This is where the rubber meets the road, where you have a team and you need to have a plan. Now, everybody that loves to prophesy or loves the gifts, they love the part so far, everything so far. And this is where they want to swim from Australia back home because you need to have a plan. You need to, not just, I got a plan. It needs to have a purpose. You need to know who your people are. You need to know what the job description of your team is. Because everybody has a position or place. And it, they need to be able to do it interchangeably sometimes. So there's a, a real plan. And, and people get real interesting whenever you say. You also need to know how much your ministry trips and your team's how much it's going to cost when they go out. This is the most silent I have ever heard, C.I. I hope I have not put you to sleep just in shock, okay? But it costs something. So we need to count all those things. That's, that doesn't necessarily, faith goes beyond a lot of things, and then God says, you know, you need to be practical here too. So there's a balance in the prophetic and the apostolic thing there. And then evaluation is very key, very important. If you don't have a way to evaluate your teams, now I'm not criticized. You notice I didn't say critique. To find the value of the thing, then you will, they won't grow as well. So when you have teams, you have to set aside times, and I, to simplify it, I call it the cookie principle. Now, we do it a little bit more detailed, but it's like an Oreo cookie. How many of you have had Oreo cookies? My preference is the cho most chocolate, whichever one gives you the most chocolate. It's the two chocolate cookies on the side and a little bit of that icing on the inside. It, and so the first one is you tell them truthfully what they've done. The, on the positive side, how they have stepped up or how they've done. And then you get one thing at a time, not 15, because it takes a little, that little bit of icing goes a long way. So you want them to get what, you want them to get what the adjustment is. 
And then you end up by saying, and this is where your challenge is. This is what I see you doing. This is so that you're giving them hope and a way to move forward. I don't want to go into any of these a whole lot, but I really want to encourage you that if you don't have a system, now that's real simple. That's a simplified version of it. But if you don't have a system or a way or a time to evaluate your teams, you'll be surprised what growth can happen if you do. Okay, three yeses, that's good. Then there's communication. And communication is in everything. But you need to have some courses on communication for your teams. Now remember, I'm talking about building a style that keeps going. Not, not just one team. But even if you did, this would work for that too. Then the uh, next thing is that you, you need to inspire your teams. They need to know what the core values are. For instance, we're always about raising people up. And even if somebody comes in off the street, we're about them learning to do this, or getting anointed, and then reproducing it. So you have to inspire the core values, whatever your core value is of your team. If you don't, people's preferences will cause them to argue and fuss about everything. Let me give you an example. Somebody help me with time. Is it over? One minute? Two minutes? All right, answer this real quick. How many of you are morning people? Okay, now take your hands down. How many of you are evening people? All right. Now, that's a preference. My husband thinks it's a sin. I'm a night person. But that's a preference. All right, let's do this one. Pepsi. Who prefers Pepsi-Cola? Who prefers Coca-Cola? Who only drinks water? <laughs> all right. Now, which one of those things is right? Of course, all the ones who think that water is right think that's, of course, the right thing, and we all know that it is. But, <laughs> but those are preferences. Preferences. Then you've got this. How many of you believe in having a, an abortion needs to be legal? How many of you believe that you don't need to be legal? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying I didn't, th I didn't think that. Let me clarify this. This is, when, this is when you can tell I'm getting close. Okay, how many of you believe, now answer rightly. How, if I said all of you who believe it's okay to have an abortion. Come over here. Then how many of you would come over here? If I said, how many of you believe if, if it's legal, then you can have abortion. Come over here. See, you can't hold up your hands because I haven't given you a choice. Those are core values. Okay, so there's a de making the point that there's a difference. And your team needs to know this. That it's much more peaceful. I'm not talking about abortion. I'm not talking about Pepsi-Cola or, or anything else except preferences or core values. So when you inspire your team, you need to be putting in that, those core values. For us, a lot of it is treating them with respect and growing up. We believe every single person that knows Jesus can hear his voice that does not make him a prophet. So evaluation, the inspiring is a little different than evaluation. Evaluation is very straightforward. 
But the inspiring times you need with your team, it doesn't take long. You can do it just in short, short blips. All right, one more. Celebration. Is that biblical? If I hope so, because all those times God says rejoice, 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 rejoice. That's a celebration. It doesn't take much to celebrate. It can just be getting together and just having a good laugh about how, I mean, we've laughed a lot at this conference about our past mistakes and so on. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do it that way, but it can be a dinner. It can be the hot dog uh, for all you who drink water. I know that's not good, but you, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. You need to rejoice with your team. And remember that what you want to see is your team succeed, but they're also to be ongoing and to be the most, the most highly effective is if you're constantly training trainers to lead your teams and you're activating people on ground level, then you've got trainers that you're always training and they have teams under them. And then you've got people that you got your eye on and you're bringing them in to be the general leader of a overall. So that is my synopsis of successful teams. And it doesn't hurt to be anointed for it and to love it. So thank you very much. Praise God. Questions. <laughs> As you can tell, she has a lot more to say. This is a hard assignment to have to say something in briefly. So she has whole workshops on this subject, so as most of you all do. So we're going to go transition right away over to Dr. Melody. Well, I'm Melody Hilton, and um, uh, leadership is my core passion, whether it's in ministry or the marketplace. And simply, leaders who are motivated by justice are ones that build teams effectively because injustice is an abuse of power where justice is a rightful use of power. So whenever I use my power, my influence, my resources, my money, whatever I have, and I use it for the good of another, then I become an instrument of justice and my ability to lead becomes so much more effective because it's not just about me, it's about raising up leaders so that I don't have to be there, but they have not just the responsibility, but the authority to lead. So basically, she said everything you need to know. And uh, so uh, I just want to talk more about than the heart of the thing that will empower success or the thing that will guarantee failure. And let me start with the failure one because I want to end on a positive note. But the thing that will bring failure to any relationship, any team is fear. And I believe that fear is the enemy's number one strategy to keep us back from a true reality of who we are, but also keep us back from the true expression of our purpose or our destiny. And uh, what affects teams so negatively is when I make my decisions and my actions and my thoughts and my attitudes and my emotions come out of fear. And simply, I'll tell you what I believe literally empowers fear inside of me when I yield to it. It's whenever my focus 
my attention is my need and my desire. So when it all becomes about me, I'm so afraid I'm not going to get my need met. I'm so afraid that you're not going to give me what I need that I begin to function opposite of who I am. So the skills, the abilities, the calling, the destiny, the purpose on the inside of any team member becomes sabotage because they're so focused on what meets their need. They're so focused on what I desire and what I want. And we recognize that when we save our life or protect our life, we actually lose it. But when we lose our life for the kingdom, when we lose our life for the team, then actually we find it. So it's so amazing when I remove fear, I'm able to focus on what I'm contributing, not what I'm getting. What I'm here with a purpose to invest. And so the thing that I believe will empower in the greatest measure, and it's something that I've developed in corporate America because you can't preach scriptures. So I developed a phrase called validation quotient. And quotient is, is a measure of what I obtain. And the higher measure I have of this, the greater success I will be in relationships and team building as a leader. And so I want to increase my ability for validation. And validation, quotient, my definition, is to value myself and value others. To value what I bring to the table, but also value what you bring to the table. Because we all should, you know, to have a successful team, we need diversity. We need uniqueness. We need different preferences. We need those type of things all coming together. So I have to value what I have and what I bring to the table, but I have to value just as much what you bring to the table. And then thirdly, I have to value the structures at, that need to be in place so we can bring transformation, that we can bring a change of culture, so that we can impact cultural values. And I'm not just talking the world or our communities, I'm talking about the team we're building. Because we want to develop a culture that is filled with validation, honor, celebration, appreciation. So simply, this lines up with a science called axiogenics. And axiogenics is the mind-brain science of value generation. And basically what that is saying is the creator, I'll get spiritual here, but the creator made the human brain, and this is proof through science, with a hierarchy of value. And the number one hierarchy value of the brain is to value yourself and value others. And if we can't value ourselves, we will be emotionally unhealthy. And that's where the fear comes in. If I can't value others, we become emotionally unhealthy. So whenever there's competition in a team, whenever there's comparison, whenever there's an agenda of me trying to get my needs met and it's all about me, then what I'm doing is I'm bringing emotional and healthiness into our team and now we're going to start functioning in fear. So if we follow that number one hierarchy of value of valuing ourselves and others, then that kind of sounds scriptural, doesn't it? Love your Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And Jesus had a higher calling, right? He says, I want you to love them like I loved you. 
So no matter how you feel about yourself today, you might be having a bad day. Guess what? I've got to love somebody like Jesus loves them. Okay, that's a high calling right there. And so basically he's telling us, because he know how, knows how he created the human brain, that if we want to be healthy, if we want to have vision, if we want to have purpose, then we have to value ourselves and value other people. The second hierarchy of value is what I talked about is valuing what I carry and valuing what someone else carries, our gifts, our talents, our abilities. And when we do that, we literally create a culture of creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship, you know, thinking outside of the box. And it literally activates emotional health because now the gift that's on the inside of me has a place of release. I'm not walking in fear. What are you going to think of me? What are they going to think about me? What if they don't like what I have to say right now? No, when there is no fear and I value what I carry and I really care about what you carry, then I'm breaking off the power of fear and I'm releasing a spirit of creativity into our teams so we can be successful and we can be fulfilled in the process of giving our lives for a higher cause. And so the third thing is the structure. And the fact is, God has no problem with structure and order. And you brought it up. He has no problem with us bringing the systems and the structures in place that will release the gifts in people as well as release their individual value. And so, according to science, according to axiogenics, if all those three things are at place in me, I will love life. If those things are at place in our team, we will not just love life, but we will love each other, celebrate each other, and everyone will be able to run. I don't know anything about cars, but I think if you have an eight-cylinder car, you don't want it to run on four cylinders, right? And so if we have an eight-member team, we want all eight running full on with a confidence, with a boldness, with a security. And when that validation is in place, fear has no place. Because see, perfect love, mature love, gets rid of all fear. It casts out all fear. So when that validation is in place, then fear is driven out. And we literally have a cultural environment for our teams that will empower success. Amen. <laughs> Melody, why don't you give them the name of your book? Okay. Melody has a book on this topic. Just tell, tell them about the book. Um, I have a book. It's called Higher Living Leadership. In fact, it's back at the CI table. And I released the beginning of the year and it's one written from a marketplace perspective. There's no scriptures in it. And I wrote that because we believe in reformation and we believe that we're going to be impacting all seven mountains of society. And I wanted a book that I could give. If I go into a business, I want to be able to give it to that CEO. If I go into government, I want to give it to governmental leaders and it's filled. It's biblical principles from beginning to end. They just don't know it. Right. And if they line up with biblical principles when the righteous rule people rejoice. Yeah. 
So I believe we can impact cultures that way. So uh, I have the book there from a marketplace perspective, and then I added about another 100 pages, and I have a biblical edition of it for the Christian community. If you're a Christian, you can read the marketplace one because you have the word inside of you, and you'll know it all lines up with the word of God. But I have the biblical edition as well so that people can see that all the principles that I'm sharing, like validation quoting, that's one of the chapters in there you'll see all the science but I also have all the biblical proof texts for all the principles that I share right thank you John Burkholder from Buffalo amen thank you I believe that there's four basic components to leadership and I'm, I'm so appreciative of what has been spoken so far in terms of cultivating teams but I believe that team starts first with you. Team starts with us first. It begins with one. And the first component is identity. We have to know who we are. We, we just have to know who we are. And one of the challenges that I had coming out of a corporate environment was that, you know, everyone on this panel, as I'm sure many, many others, could come and do days and days of seminar training on leadership. But as it applies to us as born-again, spirit-filled Christians, the application of it is the same, but it's, it's quite a bit different in terms of the structure. And the beginning of the structure is, is who are you? Who are you? We have to know what our identity is, who we are, and who we are in relationship to the Father. The second component, I believe, is just affirmation. And Dr. Melody is an expert in that field, and as you heard her just talk, but the simplicity of it is, is that are we going to interact with one another with eyes that would see the greatness in the other person? Jesus talked to his, to his apostles and said, and I'm paraphrasing, hey, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving you a new commandment. You gotta love one another. You gotta love one another like you love yourselves. Prefer one another. Esteem others as greater than yourselves. And I believe that if the body of Christ came into a proper identity of who we are, then we would stop the fussing of fear and failure and strife and contention and jealousy and envy and all the things that we war against each other with to be on the same team. And that if we could, uh, if I could speak generally to the body of Christ, I would say, hey, we got to know who we are and we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and we got to begin to look at one another with eyes to see what is the greatness in you, what is God's plan for your life and how can I help you get there. Amen? And I believe that if we can begin to interact and interface that way as the body of Christ, then what's going to happen is, is that when the leaders come and they give you a purpose, they give you a mandate, they give you a cause, now we have the structure of team already in place because we've done the work of relationship, bonding, appreciation, affirmation in the knowledge of who we all are. Amen? 
And then I believe that when you have those three components, when you have identity, when you are affirmed in, in who you are and the gifting and the calling on your life, and you receive a righteous cause, a just cause, when you receive that in the, in the very depths of your heart, then you activate. And it's not hard to activate. It's like when you're passionate about what you've been called to do and when you know who you are and you're willing to take a shot for the guy standing on your left or the lady standing on your right, then you've got something that's called synergy. You're all going into battle with the right heart, with the right mind, with the right attitude, with a love for one another that has purpose to lay it down, lay your lives down for the cause of the advancement of the kingdom in the gospel. Amen? And so one of the questions that was posed before we started was, how many want to be on a team? Well, we're going to do a team activation right now. Now, there's only two teams at play for us. There's only two teams at play for us. There's the Christ and his anointed, right? We're Christians. There's Jesus, you're on, you're on his team, or you're on that Antichrist team. So what team are you on? I mean, it's a, it, uh, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I, I played hockey. It, it was like if you had a dark jersey on, that was your team. If the, if the other guys had a white jersey on, that was their team. It's not rocket science. They put you in a small box with skates and sticks and hands that fight, and, you, and the object is win. So I think if we're going to establish and do, do an activation for the body of Christ that will launch us into reformation, it says we got to get rid of a whole lot of religion and we got to get rid of a whole lot of tradition and we just got to size it up and say, hey, there's only two teams at play here. There's the Jesus team and the devil team and we win. Amen. Amen. We win. And so I want to define team in terms of this. Who, I, who, who am I? Let's take these principles. Who are you? You are born again, spirit-filled Christians, filled with the Holy Ghost. You have all power. You have all authority. You can cast out devils in his name. You can lay hands on the sick. You can pretty much do whatever you want that lines up with the word of God. And go, you're going to speak God's word, hear what he says, do what he says. God's going to confirm it, affirm it. He's going to do it. And, and that's who you are. Amen? And so I want to address this from this perspective. There were 120 people in the upper room, correct? That was the beginning of the church. That was the original team. There was 120 people on the team. Would you agree? All right. So how many of them were apostles? 11. Because they hadn't drawn lots for Judas yet. Right? There's 11 apostles. Do the math. What's 120 minus 11? 109. Now, my Bible says that the Holy, the wind came and the fire fell. And my Bible, and I'm sure your Bible says, on all. It fell on all. Okay. And then it goes on and it says, and they went downstairs and they were all speaking in tongues. And it, it says, but the Bible says, and they were all speaking in the other languages. All right. So my theology says this as far as team, 
there was 11 apostles. So we got a, a team of 120, and you got 11 coaches, and you got 109 players. Well, I don't know about you, but before they started calling me apostle or prophet, Jesus knew me before I was formed in my mother's womb. He sanctified me before I was born, and he ordained me with a purpose. So as far as I'm concerned, before any of this, see, because we're here as fivefold ministers because we chose to respond to a call. But you see, we, as the body of Christ, we've got to get back to the place where before anything, you were one of the 109. You were, you were one of, I was one of the 109. I was John before they called me pastor or prophet, or apostle, or whatever you want to see. I, so I stay in the place of John. Why? Because the 109 guys that came, and, and they weren't just apostles, they were wives, they were children. They were everyday, ordinary folks like me and you. That is the definition of our team today. Regular, ordinary folks. Now the power of the Holy Spirit has come upon all of us in equal dimensions. Some are coaches, some are players, but we're all ordinary people demonstrating the power of God. Amen? And so, now, we have a mandate to advance the kingdom. We have a mandate to establish his government, which will see no end. Now, the simplicity of this is if we're going to employ ourselves as members of the same team, again, it's a very simple equation. Jesus said to each one of us as ordinary folks that the same works that I do, he will do you will do also. Now, do, you have to say that with me. The same works that Jesus did, I will do also. Come on, this is, if we can talk about the practicum of team or we can get activated and start being the team. Amen? So the same works we can do. Well, how do we do that? Well, I asked the Lord that once. I said, we're talking Reformation. Bishop kicked this off years ago, but we're not seeing the full manifestation of the team on the playing field yet. We're still having practice, and we're still doing chalk talks in the dressing room, and we're still training and learning plays. It's like, for Pete's sakes, can somebody blow the whistle? Can we start playing? Amen? And so, like, how are we supposed to do this? And the Lord said, well, how did Jesus do it? He said, you'll do the same thing. And I said, that's not a hard question. He only said what he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. He said, well, that's all you need to know. I'm all for training. I'm all for equipping. I'm all for activation. But, man, can we just, like, hear what we all know that we can hear God's voice? Can we just hear what God is saying and just say it? Can we see what God is doing and just doing? Come on, it's time to activate ourselves as a team. Amen? And so I believe that for all of us as team, if I could release or impart one thing to you, I would say this, we are all members of the same team. We, re we represent the Jesus team. Every single one of us say, I, I have the power. I have the authority. 
I have the ability to do miracles and signs and wonders. I'm going to appreciate my brother. I'm going to affirm my brother as greater than myself. And together, we're going to get out of the dressing room. We're going to get out of the locker room. We're going to get out of the training classes because I've already been activated. And it's time to play. It's time to play. Last thing that I want to say in terms of for this season is, is that I truly believe that we're in a season of acquisition and possession. Listen, uh, there are Joshua and Caleb's. There are Joshua and Caleb's that God is raising up in the body of Christ. You have a whole row of them. You got a whole section of them. There's Joshua and Caleb's that God have raised up that have a different spirit. But we also have the seed of the mighty warrior that came across with us. The very first assignment that Joshua got was to circumcise the seed of the mighty warrior. There's a whole generation of, we can call them millennials, you can call them whatever you want. I just call them those people that God is giving us to do something today. And I see Dr. Tim, but I want to say this, is that, <laughs> see, playing hockey, you can see without even, I can see standing right there. If he comes any closer, my gloves might come off. <laughs> But the, the deal is, is this, is, is that we're going to raise up a generation. We're going to take a generation that's uncut by religion and tradition. And we can talk about leadership till the cows come home. But if you're not activated, if you're not doing what you want them to do, it ain't going to work. So we got to rise up and we got to start demonstrating if we're going to take this generation in as a team and command the victory that Jesus has for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. As you can tell, everybody has a lot to say in a short amount of time. This is Enos Chamberlain from Missouri. Stay fired up because I'm a coach at heart. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to get, I'm gonna get uh, every, everything that every one of them has said has been so, you resonate with everything that, that God's been saying. Let me just share this about myself personally. Uh, I, I grew up American heathen like Bishop. I did not go to church, but I've been in ministry now 27 years and pastoring that long. And with me and my wife in Columbia, Missouri. But I, I say that to say this, and that's why I love this topic, because when I got called to ministry, the Lord said, you always said if you didn't, I played college ball, football. And the Lord said, you always said if you didn't play pro ball, you would go into coaching. And I said, yes. He said, well, why don't you coach my team? And I was so heathen. I mean, I could sit up here and sound all religious. First thought I had was, man, your team is not doing too well. I know guys on your team. And they're not doing so well. That's a true statement in my dorm room. And I got radically saved, born again. But I just, I believe what God is really saying. Bishop's been talking about the army of the Lord. God is trying to get us to think kingdom culture. That's a culture of winning. They were losing until the ancients of days came. 
until. That's what John was talking about, that God is getting us to think with a kingdom mentality of what a team is. And there's a kingdom winning culture for your church and your ministry. Now, from a pastoral standpoint and pastoring a church, one of the things that I see in this move that God is, that's in right now is helping people find their place on whatever team or potential that God has for them. I believe that. I also believe that the potential that people have and the potential that God has called people to, I believe like no other time, and I believe this, I believe like no other time that God is orchestrating saints to be teachable, to be trainable, and to be serviceable. I believe that. I believe it fits right into the army of the Lord movement. I believe it fits right into the profile of God activating us how to be a team in the body of Christ. I look at and I see, you know, even in our territory, a lot of saints want to be used by God. They want to be used by God. But one thing I can say this. You can have all the stats in the world. There's a lot of teams that got a lot of stats, a lot of players with a lot of stats, but they don't win anything. We've got a lot of one-man shows, a lot of one, got a lot of stats. Don't win much. Haven't won a lot. See? But I got my deliverance ministry. I got my prophetic ministry. I got my church. I got, I saved 10 people. I lose. Stats. We win nothing. That's the biggest shift I see, is that God is reproducing those with a kingdom culture way of thinking about team. It's, I believe it's going to be easier to raise up healing teams in your churches, prophetic teams in your churches, deliverance teams in your churches, teachers that are team members in your churches, apostolic team members in your churches, because what, what's happened in this nation and what's happening, people are being awakened to what the kingdom of God is really about. And John said it best. They were one team with one mind and one purpose with a mind to do what God called them to do. I also believe this. I also believe in where we are. We have, we have teams set up in our ministry. I love what Robert talked about last night. Follow the pattern. We have prophetic teams set up in our ministry after service, healing teams, deliverance teams. Follow the pattern. Activate them. Reproduce reproducers. Reproduce reproducers. We have people now coming back who didn't necessarily uh, understand a lot of that that are now coming back to that. I believe that's because of this army of the Lord that God is bringing us into so that people can find their place and find their potential of what God has called them to do and to be. And you don't have to be the big shot. God's getting that one-man mentality out. That's all of us. Hear me. That's all of us. We've heard reproducing. We've heard about the kingdom. But now the rubber is meeting the road. And pastors, I'm telling you, there's a coaching mantle that's coming upon you to see the potential to activate and to cultivate the gifts that are in God's people and to activate them not only on teams, but to do things in the marketplace, to do things in the nation. There will be more government officials in your churches, in your ministries coming, who simply need to be coached up in the potential of what God has called them to do and to be in the education field.
field. I believe there will be teams in the education field, in churches, in ministries, that we will raise up in education that will be team members that will begin to mentor people in your church, begin to mentor people in your ministry, and begin to member, uh, minister to people in your territory and in your regions. I'm going to say this too. I only got a couple of minutes, but I want to say this. I like the concept of team in so many facets. God is breaking off competition. Because we, most of the warfare is friendly fire. But he's, he's breaking that. You won't win. The Lord Sabaoth is going before us in case we, we haven't caught it. He's going before us and he's going to win with or without. He's going to win. What was the sister? I think it was Sandy that talked about the uprooting. Uprooting that competitive mentality that's been hidden on the inside to fight for what's mine. God's breaking that off of the church. He's breaking that off of us so that we can begin to see what God has really called us to do and to be. So I just want to finish up with this out of everything that's been said, because just for time's sake, is that I believe that God is going to show himself through the body of Christ as the army of the Lord. And we're going to have to die to ourselves and lay our life down for our teammates. And for what God's purpose is in the earth. God bless you. I believe this is a time where God is going to do something with each one of us with team building. Amen. Thank you for listening to Christian International's Teaching of the Week. For more information on conferences, training intensives, and other resources to help make a powerful difference, please visit our website at christianinternational.com. 